Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. I'm going to get a conversation with a specialist who's going to teach me how to make my money stick and how to make the relationships that I have stick as well. She is a specialist. She has a group called The Gritty Real Estate Talk, sorry, Real Talk About Wealth Building on Facebook. I want you to go check it out. But in the meantime, for now, let's hit this. Are you starting your journey into real estate business or entrepreneurship? Are you in need of strategies to help you reach your daily goals? That's right. Then the Oliver Perry Show is for you. Come and get the experiences and strategies to help you be successful. And now, your host. You know who it is, sis? Oliver Perry. Oliver Perry. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Miss Nikki Martinez. Nikki, how are you today, man? How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Wonderful. Listen, I'm super excited because you and I are friends. Uh, full disclosure, we are we are friends. We talk often. So <laughs> Nikki and I talk and we have these conversations and I want to include you guys in these conversations because one thing that she was teaching me was about how making my money stick as well as making relationships sticky as well. So I want to include you guys in on that. And Nikki, give them a little bit of background just so they know who you are, what you do, and kind of what, how you got to this point. Okay, so I am um, prior military, and I'm currently a military spouse, which I know a lot of your your folks are as well. So um, I have a background in just about everything. I've just been like a super flexible person over the course of my life. So I have uh, a paralegal certification. I've worked in human resources. Okay. I have a master's in environmental management, a master's in cybersecurity. It's just, it's been a little bit of everything because- right. You just have to be ready for anything. So the biggest thing that that I found is over time, I have a really good skill set of making the most of the money I have and encouraging other people to do stuff that, that might make them a little bit uncomfortable. So one of the things that people are uncomfortable with is talking about money and taking a deep look at their money and figuring out their emotions behind money and their family's emotions behind money. So that's something that over time I've found that I can have those tough conversations with people and have them repeatedly in a way that, that can lead to lasting change. Okay. I like it. Let me get a pow pow for my ladies and gentlemen who are in the military. Oh, where's my pow pow. Give me a pow pow. There it is. All right. So (laughs) shout out to our brothers and sisters in the military. We appreciate you. Thank you again for your services. Always. So let's let's hop right into it, Nikki. How do where do I start with trying to make my money sticky? I'm I'm getting money. Oh, let me not say that. It's a weird way of saying that. I'm uh, gaining an income, right? I'm gaining got a job, U.S. military. So let's just Mm -hmm. let's just take that for example. Somebody who has a job, whatever the job might be, they have money coming in. How do they go about making money sticky? And, And then we'll build from there. So the first thing is making money sticky sounds funny, but I, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So in the least dirty way, um, it starts with budgeting. And I know budgeting is such a dirty word for everybody. And it just, it makes you think of like, oh God, Uh, just someone telling me I can't spend my money. Right. But it's, if you don't have control of what you've already got in your hands, you can't go anywhere. So that's where you start. You'll always make the best returns off of money you've already got. It's already in your hands. You've already paid taxes on it. That's your money. Make the most of it. So the biggest thing is people need to figure out their why. 
why do I want money? And it can't just be, oh, I want to be rich because everybody wants to be rich. But do you want to be rich more than you want the convenience of a coffee? Do you want to be rich more than you want a trip? Do you want to be rich more than you want to have a difficult conversation with your spouse? So figuring out your why and syncing that up with whoever is the significant other in your life. If you're single, that's great. Just figure out your own why. If you're in a relationship, your whys have to match because if they don't, they're going to just. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. If if your whys don't sync up, you're going to fight. One person's going to feel that the other person is telling them they can't. And so it has to be everybody wants to do a thing together. And so once you really figure out what that why is for you, why do you want to pay attention to money? Why do you want to increase your net worth or gain financial freedom or leave something for your children? There there has to be a bigger reason other than I want to have money because... So let me ask you that this. Okay. Let me ask you this. If if that's the case, so should the why be different? Like if if I'm creating this, let's say I'm building this company, whatever the company is, should my why for building the company be different from my why of saving money, or are those the same whys? They have to at least align. Okay. So my why is is kind of threefold. I I have a child and I want to provide the best life and future for him. Right. I have a spouse who's in the military and as everybody who's ever been in the military or knows somebody in the military, the military doesn't care about you, the individual. They care about the organization, which means at any point they can tell you, thanks for playing, please leave. Mm -hmm. They can say, you don't have what we're looking for. And, and, you know, here's this other job. Then it doesn't really matter if that job makes you happy or not. Right. And it, it takes up 20 years of your life if you give it 20 years of your life. And then what? So a big why for me is looking at my spouse and saying, the day you want to walk away, you walk away. I don't care about the retirement. I don't care about the health care. I don't care about any of it. If you want to walk away, you walk away. I got this. And then if he does stick out the 20 years, mm-hmm what do you want to do now? Do you want to go back to school? Maybe he's, he's an engineer by trade. So being out of the engineering field for 20 years, he's going to be behind, you know, so he's going to have to either go back to school or go back and work as an intern or whatever. And being able to look at him and be like, you're good, go do what you want to do. And then my other why is, is freedom is I had enough money to walk away from the military myself. I had enough money to say, this is it. This is where my body says stop. This right. is where my time says stop. So my whys are strong and, and they're well synced with my spouse. So everything we do from here forward is all about, does it protect our assets? Does it build our assets? Do we have enough time to let things grow? So if I take a riskier play, can I give it five years? Can I right. give it six years before I need to take the money back out? So as you figure out your whys with your various businesses and investments, they just have to sync together. So if you have a super risky business and a risk adverse spouse and not a lot of buffer zone built in, like you don't have a big cash reserve, you're just asking for fights inside the house. But if you've built up some cash reserves and you've built up some trust with your partner, Mm -hmm. then you can go do that riskier business and you can say, I got this. I've done the training. I've done the prep work. It's all, it's all in because this could really make a lot of money. 
And everybody in the family is going to go, okay, deep breath. We can do this. Right. So you just have to align those whys and, and you have to figure out who's the saver, who's the spender. And can you do, can you mitigate that? Can you create fun money accounts? Can you have accounts that, you know, you agree that $20 a week or 50 bucks a month or or $300 a month, whatever your budget allows, right. can each of you have access to money that you don't have to justify to anybody? It's not part of the the budget. It, it, well, I mean, it's part of the budget, but it's not part of the, this is important. Every penny matters. Right. Go out and have lunch. If you want to go out and buy car parts, if you want it, whatever it is you want, mm-hmm. build that in. But that way you stay aligned on your whys. Okay. So if you're, if your spender wants to go spend, they've got a place to do it from where they don't feel like they're constantly being nagged. Okay. So, all right, let me ask you this question. Cause you, you mentioned this briefly just now and you talked about the spender versus the saver. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not too difficult to see where the spender is versus the saver. Here's the question. Here's the rub on it, though. What if you have a couple who are they're both spenders or the people that are around? They just Everybody's just a spender. Or if you're even single and you're just a spender, how does mm-hmm. a spender really lean into that part that you talked about with having that fun money piece? Because we hear constantly. Hey, put away 10%, put away 50%, put away 60%, whatever it is, and spend this one 10%. Matter of fact, uh, Shaquille O'Neal had a video on it where he said, hey, take this, split it up to 50%, then take that, split up again, and then you're only going to spend 10%. How do you build yourself into that? Because that's not something that everybody can do like off the break. That's something you kind of got to work your way up to. How do you do that? So there's two parts to this answer. The first part is... Budgeting doesn't mean restrictions. Budgeting means what happens right now. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. do you want to happen? But you can't get to where you want without knowing what you're doing right now. Like how much does it cost you to buy gas? How much are you spending on food? doesn't matter if you're proud of how you're spending it. What are you actually doing right now? And so if you're a spender, if you're in a relationship of two spenders, or if you are the spender in a relationship and, and you're just kind of tired of your spouse nagging you, right? start with what do you emotionally need? What is the thing that's going to make you still feel comfortable in day-to-day life and not feel like everything is a deprivation from now until forever? Like, you have to stay out of the dieting mentality. Like if you can't have a cookie, all you want is a cookie. <laughs> if you can't spend money, all okay. you want to do is spend money. Right. So the, especially for single people, the, what I would say would be to automate everything. And so when I say automate, I mean, you can automate almost everything. There are apps that will take every bit of money that you spend that is less than a dollar. So if you spend like $3 and 50 cents, that last 50 cents will get put in a savings account. It'll round you up to the nearest dollar. Mm. So it's automatic savings every time you spend. There is every single uh, savings account, investment account, anything in the world. You can set it up. So you like, if you get paid on the first each month or whatever day you get paid, you can set it up so on the second or the third, $100 automatically goes into your investment account or automatically goes into a savings account that you just don't have a card for and you never, ever open it. You never, ever go into it. Right. So you just take the money right out of the account. So the biggest thing that's for spenders, I would say, 
is start by taking away what you want to save and whatever's left live off that because if it's not there and you can't spend it mm -hmm. you won't actually miss it and if you're if you're like oh man i don't know if i can do that so if you want to get to where you're saving four hundred dollars a month and you're mm -hmm. currently saving none start by setting up an automatic withdrawal of $50 a month. You're really not going to notice $50 a month going away. Two months later, I'll bump that up to $200. Two months later, bump that up to 250. You know what I mean? Like you can go up right. by $50 increments until right. it's just normal for you to not have that leftover money at the end of the month. But now instead of like trying to pull out your savings from that doesn't exist at the end of the month, you pulled it out at the beginning. So for me, over time, I made it my goal very, very quickly in life. Right. I'm the most important person in my universe, just straight up. <laughs> there is no, no landlord, no utility company, no cell phone provider, no gadget that is more important than me because I am amazing. So if I'm this amazing, I should be my biggest bill. Right. So it has been years now where I pay myself more than I pay rent or a mortgage. But it took it took incremental steps and I made it part of my bill process. So that comes out right at the beginning of the month. Mm. And so, then the other thing people can do is as they pay off debts, uh -huh. if it's money that's already out of your hands, it never comes back to your hands. So if you pay off a credit card that had, say, $100 you had to pay each month, okay. start paying $150. Get that card paid off. But then that 150, you can either roll it into paying other debts or immediately roll that into a savings account. You're already living without that money. You already didn't miss it. Right. Don't give it back to yourself to spend on something that you're not going to remember a year from now. Okay. That that So basically, it sounds like it's a one of out of sight, out of mind thing. And the mm -hmm. second thing to that is it's just like, you know, going to the gym and working out. You know, after a while, that muscle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You just got to keep pushing it to the next level. You go in, do five push-ups. Two weeks later, you're doing 10. Two weeks after that, you're doing 20. Three weeks after that, you're doing 40 and so on and so forth. So that, that actually makes perfect sense. I think it's good but that think you even it down easier like that. than that. Automating okay. things. Mm -hmm. Automating things is like doing push-ups once every six months and checking on it again six months from now and still having it count. <laughs> I like it. That's uh, like, that is. You don't have really to do it every day. In fact, right. that's the reason we automate is no one has enough energy to be to smart day. every right. day. But you can be smart once every six months, once a year, like whatever it is you build into your schedule. You can be like, ah, I'm going to live without 50 bucks a month now. I'll put a note in my calendar six months from now. I'll up that to a, like 100 bucks, okay. you know, and then okay. and then it's just it's done. You did your six push ups and you get credit for it every month. <laughs> All right. So let's assume we've done all this, right? Let's, we've gotten to the point where we built this muscle up. One thing that I hear a lot is don't just let your money sit in the bank because the percentage of the return is minute, if not non-existent. So yeah. what, what is your advice to people when they're looking to figure that part out on where to go make that money work for them? And for those listening and watching, this isn't, we're not giving you, we're not, you know, financial experts. Well, I'm not. Um, Nikki's probably more better the closer than I am, but hashtag um, not a CPA. <laughs> okay, so so we're not CPAs, right? We're not telling you this is the end all be all. We want you to make sure you go do your own research. But at the same time, this is advice from somebody who's been doing this for a little while, and I'm learning. So I want you guys to be able to learn too. 
Okay, Nikki, now back to our point with you got money in the bank. Like I've got umpteen thousand in the bank. Let's just say I got $4,000 in the bank for whatever reason. How do I make that money work for me? Is it all just stocks? Is it, you know, IRAs? What what am I looking at? What's the, the in your opinion, the smartest route to take? So there is no smartest route. And mm, that okay. I think is the thing that, that people really struggle with is finance is very individual because it's very much what is your risk tolerance? What's your buffer zone? What's your right. cushion? And so the thing that people forget is there is what works mathematically and then there's what works emotionally. And the emotional one is more important. So mathematically, why, why is the it, emotional one? And I, I apologize for interrupting, but I want to know this. And this, I think, is key, because if you can understand why the emotion is the more important piece, then it makes it easier to understand why you should be focused on it as opposed to the money, the number. Because when you put that mess in the calculator, you're going to be like, oh, I just mm-hmm. uh, listen, I'm gonna have just, no more Starbucks ever. And but like you said earlier, like it's not really realistic. So could you explain why the emotional part is more important in that? So the emotion is everything with money. It is when people say like money is the root of relationship problems. It's not. It's the root of emotional problems that turn into relationship relationship problems. problems. Right. And so, for example, Mm -hmm. mathematically, it makes sense to carry a mortgage to get the tax breaks on the interest payments to Mm -hmm. use that money in higher. So if you've got a mortgage that's 4.25%. And you can put money in a stock market that's making eight to 10% right now. Right. Mathematically, that's what you do with your money is you roll that money somewhere else. However, if you are conservative on, on your risk tolerance or you're married to someone who's conservative on their risk tolerance, mm-hmm. it could make sense to pay off a mortgage faster and have no bills. So maybe you spend a couple years really going hard on paying off your debt. You pay off the credit cards, you pay off the student loans, you pay off the car, you pay off the mortgage, you pay everything off. Right. That's what worked for my family because I am married to someone who is very risk averse. And so once I had all those things paid off, mm-hmm. I could look at him and be like, can I go now? Can I do it? And he's <laughs> like, yes, we will never be homeless. Go right. for it. Right. And so emotionally, I did what I had to to protect the way he feels. And that gave him the freedom to emotionally look at me and go, all right, go do your real estate stuff that I right. don't understand. Go right. do option investing that I don't understand. Just please tell me that, that you know, I'm not going to wake up one day and be broke. And so, but within our relationship, mm-hmm. he's the one who handles the day-to-day budget. So like, for example, I wouldn't ask him, I wouldn't go spend $300 without telling him. Right. But I'll go adjust eighty to ninety to hundred thousand dollars worth of our investments, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even occur to me to tell him because mm-hmm. we've built up that emotional right. trust over right. time. Right. And so when I say like start with emotions and then pick your investments, if you or someone in your family who is important to you, mm-hmm. if they are going to freak out by having a seventeen hundred dollar mortgage payment. Right. At the same time that a stock market is crashing. Okay. That's going to matter because now you're the person explaining to them why you took out a, a refi loan on your home to put money into 
the stock market and the stock market just crashed. Why you took out a refi on your home to go into a short-term rental, to go into six other things and COVID hit and nobody's traveling last year. You know what I mean? Like you've got to have that emotional base to say, we're going to be okay. We've got 10,000 in savings for that house. So if, if the roof goes out on that house, we've got 10,000 in savings. So is that 10,000 in savings the best optimal use of that money? No, but it's a reserve that is there so that you can go do the things that are best and optimal for you. Right, right. The other thing that, that I think people get really siphoned off on is within the communities out there. If you're in the FIRE community, the uh, Financial Independence Retire Early community, they're mm-hmm. very, very heavy into equities, into the stock market. They're all about the, the 4% rule. So if you go and you talk to that community, it's no debt, no debt, no debt. Don't buy things, like get your budget as tight as you can, get as right. far in the stock market as you can, as fast as you can. And, and if you don't do that, you're dumb. And then if you get into like real estate communities, it's leverage yourself to the hilt. If your money isn't making more money, if you can't be churning, you're dumb. <laughs> and so <laughs> everybody has a thing that they're like, this is it. This is the way. And there's a lot of ways. And there's a lot of ways that work for a lot of different people. But knowing your emotional setting will help you say, I know my way in. And I know my exit strategy to get out. Right. And I'm not worried if something goes off the rails for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need this money to eat tomorrow. I have a plan for what happens if the stock market crashes. I have a plan for what happens if I if my tenant doesn't pay for four months and it takes me another two, three months to evict them. Right. You know, it's so starting with the emotion, then building up the backing up uh, out of that into a plan of what can I handle? What can my spouse handle mm-hmm. is uh, to me that beats the numbers Okay, because the numbers they'll, they'll always look good on paper, but then right. life hits, you right. know? So right. are you prepared emotionally for the things that, that are going to happen? And are you okay sitting on some cash and going, this isn't churning. It's not making money. Right. But boy, do I sleep well at night? Okay. So, all right, let, let's let's go into, man. All right, so there's so much stuff that you just gave away, Nikki. For those, go back because I I can't okay. give it to you all because I'm a burnout in all Nikki time, and I want to make sure we get into the the um, networking part of it. And with that said, you talked about emotion and you talked about community. One mm-hmm. thing that I always, and this is me personally, I have a difficult time with. I've met some amazing people. Um, who I consider friends, who I'd like to be friend tours, if you will, friends who are mentors. We just happen to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. But what I find is I'm always in my head and I'm always in my head, man, I, I called such and such the other day and I haven't heard back in like two weeks. Now, I know people are busy, right? We all know this. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. But as somebody who's working to find these relationships, who's building these relationships, you get that phone number from somebody who you want to be a mentor. Let's say it's Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, uh, Brandon Turner, uh, Nikki Martinez, uh, you know, whoever it might be, you get that number and you're like, okay, I want to, I want to connect, but you get on the phone and you feel like you're missing, like something's not hitting. How are you, how do we manage that, that kind of moment? How do you improve the ability to actually connect with someone via phone and you feel like there may not be a connection at that point? 
That's a great question. So full disclosure, I just over the past, I would say like 16 months figured out networking. So before this past year and a half, if you had said networking, I would have rolled my eyes and thought of (laughs) a luncheon where I was being told to like, go have mandatory fun and meet new people and pretend to care about them. And just, ugh, that is... I would rather like be stabbed in the eye with a pencil. Like that is my version of mandatory like fun. mandatory oh, fun. Mandatory Nikki, fun. Is, is the military's way of saying, <laughs> we want you to love you. Mm-hmm. Now go out there and go have fun. You could, it could be the worst, <laughs> the worst event ever. And you're just like, I don't want to go. Hey, listen, you're required to be there. I need you there tomorrow. At, you're going to uh, have the best right. time. Yeah. Christmas. <laughs> you got to be there early. Oh, we need to be there at six. And the event don't start till nine. I don't care. I need you there at six. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, so and everybody, so the military has that, but everybody has that. And so really? yeah, if true. you're a real estate agent, there is the monthly uh, real estate meetup like that oh. for your, um, for your area. And right. if you are, within the realtor network, <laughs> you're kind of expected to be there. So for me with cybersecurity, there's the ISSA is has a monthly meetup and it's go and you know, be perky and make Have friends fun. and like, yeah, oh, hands. the worst. <laughs> so to me, that's what networking was. And I'm an introvert, which means I'm obviously not shy. Right. But every right. time I give someone else my time, attention and emotion, that takes away from my reserves. And that's time, attention, and emotion that I can't give to myself and my family now because I need like to recover from that. Right. Like I talk to a human, that takes time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so it's it's not something that that comes easily. Um, the biggest thing with networking is what it really is is relationship building. So okay. relationship build in the ways that make sense to you. So for me, a phone call is stressful especially if that person is new to me. What is not stressful is liking something on Facebook and then making a comment and then doing that until they start to comment back or until I start to like know their kids' names or something they're interested in or I I figure out what my connection is. And so kind of the way I approached networking was I network like a shotgun. It was everybody (laughs) got a little bit of my attention. Okay. For a few months. And then within that, I figured out who did I want to be a sniper for? Like who was cool or I wanted to be them or I wanted to know them or I wanted to be important to them. Now I'm not paying attention to like the 97 other people. I'm not hitting like on everything I'm going through and I'm making comments for this person. I'm figuring out what they think is funny, what they think is critical, like what's important to them. And I'm really getting to know them and getting to, and letting them get to know me over time. And that over time is the part that people really miss is they want it to be instant. Mm. They want to be, I had a phone call with you and you are amazing. And occasionally you do get that person. Occasionally you get that person and you're like, did we just become besties? Right. Oh my God, we just became besties. And that's <laughs> wonderful. But most people, they they need to see you for a while and you need to see them for a while. And then when you get on the phone, now you're just cementing the relationship you've already started to build. Now you're not asking them, what do you do? What do you think is important? You're asking them, I saw you did this, this, and this. Please tell me about that. 
Right. How can I help with this, that, or the other? And so mentorship is something I see people talk about a lot. How do I get a mentor? Because when people are starting out, they don't have knowledge. True. They don't have money. Or maybe they have money, but they don't have enough money for what they're looking to do. Right. And, and they want a mentor. But what they're really saying is they want someone to hand it to them and tell them it's okay to take this action. Mm. And nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to tell you the path if you're not paying them. Right. And uh, you can get mentors. They're called coaches and you pay them. <laughs> and so that's, that's a pathway. But if you want a mentor, what you're really saying is, I want someone who cares about me and cares about my success. And that takes time to build. But the good news is it's actually not hard to build. You just have to give them your attention, give them your time, give them your care, mm -hmm. and then be useful to them without asking for anything in, in return. If you are a part of their success, whether that is you make them feel good about themselves, you're an ear for them to just speak to, or if they're busy and you're trying to learn the skill sets they have, right. I have never seen anyone reach out to somebody and say, what job do you hate doing? Can I do that for you? Mm. No one has ever said no to that. Mm. Hold on. But hold on, Nikki. Hold on. Stop. Let me get a pow pow for Nikki. <laughs> My God, that is holy crap. What's yeah. what's funny is you hear and it all the time. In real life too, in right. life. So that's how I got every job I wanted in the military is I looked at whoever was the boss in that section. And I said, what job do you hate doing? Can I do it? And I instantly become their favorite person. But the key is you have to do that job. <sighs> and normally they suck. <laughs> right. right. They always suck. <laughs> so you have to be willing to spend a couple weeks or a couple months doing the thankless job. Right. And once you've done that and once you've become a reliable person in their life that they can depend on mm -hmm. now, now they're willing to look at you and say, all right, come here, little bird, fly with me. Really, and and they're invested in your success because you were invested in their success first. But if you just ask for a mentor, mm. everybody who's good at something has like twenty billion people who just want them to do it for them. That's that's, that's a yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. We always hear, and it's it's a really simple and clean way to provide value to whoever you're reaching out to. And what's interesting is when you said it, the first thing in my mind, it clicked. And I think about all the jobs that I've done where I had somebody who was a mentor. And I remember all the things that I did when I was with them or working with them. And it was all trash jobs. Like I hated the whole cold calling. I hated doing, don't get me wrong. I don't hate research, but so much, but like I researched thousands of doors, thousands of names for uh, my mentor who was in Kentucky. Then, you know, my mentor out here in Baltimore, went in i was hammering tiles getting tiles out of the way to to do a flip it's just amazing how many things that i was doing now i realize that i'm doing that i didn't want to do to gain that relationship and those relationships has made remained true up to this day um mm -hmm. man that's um that's a hell of a point so really the gist of it is is stop worrying and this is just for anybody who's listening stop worrying if they're not answering the phone don't worry just continue worry. to reach out and, and be yeah. patient. It's okay. Like 
because you're going to you still have that relationship you think about it two years from now if you're still making the phone call you they can legit say oh i've known him for two years he, two years he's been calling me and nobody's going to want to admit that so he's going to call you back <laughs> so if you look on like bigger pockets podcast yeah um as bigger pockets money and big, the regular bigger pockets some of the guests were just people who like relentlessly commented in this in the the page the facebook page i love it they were so just like you all are gonna know me right. and so like the the hosts were like man i feel like i know you get on this podcast um but wow. the biggest thing is i think people also they don't vet their mentors very well they they look at mentors from a very one-dimensional point of view and so there's people that like my first glance at them is like oh man you are so cool. Like right. you have exactly the skill set I want and you've got your life together and you're doing this, this, and this. Right. And, but then I vet them a little more and I'm like, Oh, we don't, we don't share values. We don't share <laughs> passions. You know, like right. the way you approach a, a situation or a person doesn't mesh. It's not wrong. Right. It's not a bad thing. You're not a bad person, but it's not the way I would approach a situation or a person or, um, a deal or whatever else, you know? And so there's, there's certain people that can be a mentor long distance. Like you, they may never even know you. So a mentor can be a podcast host, you know, like they can be internet famous to you. Right. And, and that can still be your mentor for a while, for the period of time that that makes sense. So uh, for example, um, Robert Kiyosaki, the, the rich dad, poor dad guy, there's elements of of what he says that that resonate very strongly with me, and right. but then I go and I listen to him on a podcast, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I, don't know. I don't know if I want to have a beer with you, you know what I mean? And there's right. nothing wrong with him. He right. just the way he approaches the world, the way he views the world, isn't a hundred percent aligned with me. Right. And so what I have found is over the past year, I am building my team of mentors, but each one of those people. It starts with, I could contact each and every one of them, talk about business, not at all. I could just send them a message and say, you are important to me, and I hope I'm important to you. And if I'm not, how can I be more important to you? How can I support you better? And I would not feel weird sending that message because we've built up a relationship enough where I can say, you matter to me, and I want to matter to you. And it's not (sighs) weird. Nikki. All right. First of all, let me get a pow pow for Nikki. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, once again, Miss Nikki Martinez. All right. We got it. All right. All right. Okay, everybody. Okay. 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 All right. Jesus Christ. Always so loud. Anyway. All right. So, (laughs) Nikki, thanks, man. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I truly appreciate you. Um, We're going to close out. Ladies and gentlemen, remember you're better than you were, but you're not half as good as you're going to be. Check out Nikki and the team, uh, The Gritty. The Gritty Wealth Building, right? Gritty Wealth Building, you can search that on Facebook and you'll find Nikki and the rest of the crew. Um, and that includes me and a couple other of my buddies and friends. In the meantime, we got to go. We will see you for listening to the oliver perry show be sure to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform and as always be sure to follow oliver at the oliver perry on instagram oliver perry on linkedin and the oliver perry show on youtube until next time take care